Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Fair Data Podcast, where we discuss all things fair, findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable. My name's Meruz Ahmed, and today I'll be interviewing Rory McNeil, founder of ResearchSpace and regular host of the Fair Data Podcast. It's a pleasure to hear from you, Rory. Well, thanks, Meruz. It's great to be here and nice to be on the, the other side of the mic, so to speak. So last Friday on the 27th of May, you attended the Edinburgh Open Research Conference. How did you hear about it? Can you tell us a little bit about what got you interested and involved in the first place? Absolutely. It was a, it was a really fantastic event, and I'm so pleased that I attended. Uh, well, the long, deep backstory is that uh, I've been involved with, um, uh, with research at Edinburgh University for, for 20 years, actually. Uh, going back, but uh, and research base is the kind of the grandchild of a of a spin out of, of Edinburgh University, which was conceived at the Department of of Informatics. So that's the that's kind of the long the long story. Um, and through involvement with uh, with Edinburgh and knowing many people on the research side as well as the research data services side, I was interested when the Edinburgh Reproducibility Chapter was founded. I think fairly recently, perhaps in the last couple of years. And the reproducibility movement is a very interesting uh, movement, uh, which is not just in the UK, but it's it's uh, expanding around the world, where typically early stage researchers get involved in thinking about uh, all the various issues around around open research, which were discussed at the, the kinds of issues which were discussed at the conference. So I often attend the, the reproducibility uh, uh, webinars, which are very interesting, and uh, and then when they organized this conference, um, and they asked me to to come and participate, I thought fantastic, uh, and it was really interesting that this was very much a bottom up meets top down kind of situation because the conference was in effect a, a joint venture between Ed- Edinburgh Reproducibility and the Research Data Services team at Edinburgh University. So Edinburgh Reproducibility is uh, an organization that uh, particularly stands out because of its engagement with young researchers. And young researchers getting involved in and engaging with open science is a theme that's come up in various podcast episodes. So are there any other themes or uh, salient features which stood out particularly in the conference to you? Yeah, there's quite a few. And actually... um... Maybe I'll maybe I'll save the the ones which are which I was thinking would emerge uh, for later on in our in our conversation. But but a couple of ones that emerged, which which I wasn't completely expecting, but which were also interesting. Uh, there were a couple of talks. One by by um, Gavin McLaughlin, who's the chief information officer um, at Edinburgh, and one on research integrity, uh, where they both stressed the the increasing impact of of regulation. In the area of research and and open research, uh, for example, in areas like national security, uh, so that's certainly impacting the uh, the research scene at Edinburgh and other universities. And that was something I hadn't really imagined would be discussed or really was very much aware of at all. So that was kind of an interesting one. Um, the second one was perhaps not a surprise, but also very interesting. There was a great introduction from the research data services team at Edinburgh about uh, open research, open science tools that are available for adoption by, um, uh, by researchers at, at Edinburgh University. And then later in the day, there was also some, 
discussion, interesting discussion, which maybe, again, I could talk about in a bit more detail later on, about um, uh, tool adoption uh, as, uh, as in how to stimulate tool adoption, given that tools are a very important part of uh, a necessary, if you will, element in the, in the facilitation of, of open research and open science. So speaking a little more in depth about some of the themes that emerged. So you've mentioned regulation and regulation is an interesting topic in this space because um, we've seen a lot of institutional involvement. We've seen organizational involvement, but recently we've also been starting to see governments starting to take steps towards um, securing uh, open science and open data in their respective countries. For example, in Australia, we've seen that the ARDC is uh, uh, quite prolific in its involvement. Um, so what do you see in terms of regulation in the UK uh, coming up? Well, um, this was touched on by, um, as I mentioned, by both of the, the, the speakers, by Gavin uh, uh, and, and other, the other talk about research integrity. Uh, so there's a, whole, there's a whole range of regulation and the, the kind of regulation that they were talking about was more, um, what's the word, more protective or defensive or concerned with things like uh, theft of, of intellectual property, leakage of improper leakage of, of information. Um, in some ways you could say that's, that's, that's odd because research is supposed to be open. So, so that is, um, that is, um, that is one thing which is, which is happening and, and which will impact this, um, this, this open research movement almost in a, uh, perhaps in a uh, kind of a cautionary or, or possibly even a, a restrictive way, uh, in terms of of more classic open science, open research, uh, there is a global movement towards uh, towards open science, uh, and it's it's not confined to any any jurisdiction for sure. In, in the U.S., you've got the new um, NIH data sharing policy coming into effect next January. Uh, in Europe, m- many aspects of the European the open the European open science cloud. Are focused on on open research, open sharing of data. Um, there's multiple projects, multiple ways in which that's being uh, addressed in in Europe and in the UK. Similar with the uh, the various funders of, of scientific research are now uh, requiring more stringent um, uh, more more stringent data sharing. Uh, so so really, uh, there's multiple um, m- multiple ways in which uh, legislation, regulation, is is coming onto the scene in in a in a big way. And you also mentioned tools. Um, would you mind elaborating a little bit about what the research uh, services team at Edinburgh had to say about tools and adopting tools at Edinburgh? Yeah. So they talked about uh, they talked about a variety of, of tools that are available around um, data storage, um, electronic lab notebooks, protocols. IO were three that that came in uh, prominently. In their um, in their presentation of the things that are available at Edinburgh University, and then they talked also about the the services that are available to help to help introduce these tools to researchers and uh, and and to facilitate adoption. And and again, that 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 topic came up again, I think, in an interesting way uh, later on in the day at the discussion of the of the um, open research roadmap at Edinburgh, which is also interesting, which. 
maybe we can talk a bit about that um, later on. The lack of formal training or indoctrination of fair data principles in the work and academic careers of young researchers is quite a prominent issue. So what's so different about what's happening at Edinburgh? And can you give us some examples, perhaps from the Wallace Lab? Yeah, so that was really interesting. And again, I, this is an example. There was a, fan, a, a really fantastic talk by Emma McKenzie and Felicity Anderson, who are in Edward Wallace's lab. And uh, their talk was about open science and student research projects. And they certainly gave a glowing account of the, of the Wallace lab. It sounds, like, it sounds like the future. It sounds like uh, kind of almost a, an, ideal, an ideal version of what should be happening everywhere. I'm not sure how widespread it is throughout Edinburgh University or other universities, but it's certainly in the Wallace lab, they're, they're practicing what they preach. Uh, so uh, it sounds like the, in the Wallace Lab, first of all, there's a very open kind of flat culture whereby regardless if you're if you're the PI or a PhD student or a postdoc at, or even an undergrad, uh, it's very open and participative and, and collaborative uh, generally. Uh, I think it's also people are encouraged to be uh, th- this kind of research integrity theme, which kept coming up during the day. People are encouraged to be very open about their mistakes as well as as well as their uh, triumphs in, in the research uh, as well as to share information about about um, you know how to do research better so they gave uh, Emma and Felicity gave a uh, uh, a little uh, overview of a project that they had done using open science and again Emma was an undergraduate or I think she is an undergraduate but but she was um, involved in the project or I think she was it was her project and how they were they the lab used that project as a kind of control mechanism or um, a quality control mechanism on some of the the ways in which they were approaching some of their research. I won't go into the details. I didn't really understand the details that well anyway. Uh, but the point is that it was done in a very open way, and the undergraduates were were given a you know a key role in this, uh, and they thought it was great because they were actively involved, but but also the other more experienced uh, members of the team are also able to, to benefit from it. Uh, so the it was it was also what they spoke about was interesting because it it showed how the the, the culture set the scene for then uh, practicing open science in a, in a productive way. So to me it was a combination of those two things which which was seen particularly compelling and particularly promising as a as a model. So you've been uh, involved in a research data services or uh, witnessing the growth and evolution of research data services at Edinburgh University for quite some time now. Um, and you recently mentioned that they've developed this uh, Edinburgh Open Research Roadmap, which speaks to the future and builds on this conference and um, all the events that have been culminating. So uh, would you like to maybe talk a little bit about that and uh, what Edinburgh has in store for the future? Yeah, well, that was really interesting. I, I think, first of all, I think the the open research roadmap is interesting as a as a concept. It's interesting that Edinburgh is developing is actually developing a roadmap um, for open research, and uh, it's also interesting that the way the university is going about it is in a very open way, and that was in evidence at the conference last Friday. Um, so, the uh, there was an interesting session. One of the workout, the breakout sessions, was to develop the open research roadmap. And this is an, another nice thing about this conference. It was, it was very well done. It was, it was hybrid. So, some of us were there in person. But I think there were about twice as many people attending digitally as those that were there 
in person and they made it very, um, very egalitarian. So they didn't want to give the people that were there in person any, you know, any advantage, so to speak, over the, over the virtual participants. So if you wanted to ask a question or make a comment or vote on something, you, you, that was all done through Slido. It wasn't done. You, you didn't actually, uh, you know, say anything. So you had no no preference. But anyway, so in this breakout session, and but my point is that it included people who weren't who weren't physically present on the day, but it also included people. I'm not sure who, but it included people who weren't even from Edinburgh University, but who are participating because this conference elicited quite a lot of interest. I think from people outside the university as well, and. There were a series of of um, of, of groups uh, talking about various questions around the the open research roadmap, and this this input is just one input. Uh, this is a very formal, structured process where uh, right now it's information gathering, requirements gathering about um, about how the roadmap is going to develop and and what it's going to look at. So this was an opportunity to engage with a broad variety of people to get their their input into the um, into the roadmap, um, there were a couple of a couple of specific themes which came up in this discussion, which really resonated with other themes that came up during the day. So I might I might just mention those. Um, one was I thought particularly interesting coming back to the the tools and services, and also I think coming back to the point you mentioned earlier about um, which, which again was brought up in this discussion that there's no formal training. For people to learn about about open science or fair principles, so how are they supposed to how are they supposed to get started? Just as kind of by osmosis or by by soaking it up, um, and and then there's also the issue of of some aspects of of open science are kind of fun, <laughs> uh, and, and and openness is always fun, uh, but some aspects are hard work. Like some of some of the some of the tools may require changes in, in workflow or different ways of doing things, which um, everyone's busy. So that's not the kind of thing which people, people love to do. So how do you, how do you introduce the principles and how do you train people in the techniques and tools they need to, to actually make open science happen? So there was an interesting discussion around that. And one of the interesting ideas which came up was um, having kind of a, as if it was a continuing education, having a, a, a buffet or a smorgasbord uh, of things which people could choose from. So again, this is just an idea, but let's say everyone in the course of their master's, their PhD would have to do some, uh, some courses or, or some training in areas related to open science, um, but let them choose among a series of, of options. And then the ones which seem most interesting or most relevant to them, uh, they, they could choose from that, that, uh, that list, so to speak. And that might make it a bit more um, more proactive and also palatable for people. Um, so in a way, it would be mandatory to do something. But what exactly it is would would be up to the choice of the of the individual researcher, which could be um, which could be interesting. And, and and actually, interestingly enough, I I happened to attend a, uh, just an hour long session yesterday um, from a group that was talking about open science in Canada. And sure enough, this um, this buffet idea came up again there as well. So maybe that, that has some legs to it. But um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. So it seems like that was an incredibly productive experience for everyone involved. Are there any other messages from presenters or speakers at the event that you'd like to share with us? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, maybe, I, maybe I could give a sense of the, I don't think there are any messages particularly, but maybe I could give a sense of the, um, the vibe or the atmosphere or the, um, or the ethos, if you will. Uh, and it was also, it was also, I thought it was fantastic because it was very much, um, a kind of an open space for discussion. And you had very senior people there. You had Gavin McLaughlin, who's the chief information officer of the university. You had a whole variety of, of senior PIs, um, senior people from the research data services, research integrity side. So you had the, the um, kind of the senior management and the management of the university was there. Uh, you had senior researchers there. But then you also had a, a large cohort of, of junior researchers there, PhD students, postdocs, and, and even some some undergraduates. And it was um, extremely uh, it was encouraging to see the uh, the enthusiasm the enthusiasm among all these groups for engaging with with everybody. And so it was a very um, it was a really nice atmosphere. And a very kind of it was it was very much the atmosphere reflected the the topics that were being discussed, and it's very clear that uh, I think to me anyway it was it was clear and also you can see that from the the Edinburgh Open Research Roadmap that the university is is not just committed to moving forward in this this whole area of open research and 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 the related things which um, you know all the all the all the various aspects of it they're not just committed they're they're enthusiastic and they see this as something which is going to be really beneficial uh, to the university as well as to the people involved in research going forward. So that was that was really, really encouraging. And I think everybody came away from the day, pretty much everybody I could see anyway, came came away from the day feeling feeling really positive and that this was uh, this was the start of something, not uh, you know, not the culmination of something. Wow, that's a that's very interesting and a, a, a definitely points towards exciting plans for the future. Um, well, thank you for sharing your insights and experiences from the conference with us, Rory. Um, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. The Fair Data Podcast is provided by FairDataPodcast.org and produced by Meriz Ahmed. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at Fair Data Podcast. New episodes are released every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. UK, and 5 p.m. Central European time. Next week, we'll be back to our regular scheduling, and we hope to see you then.